Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and we've got a lot of fun things to talk about today. A much lighter show than last week's episode, so let's not delay. Let's have some fun and introduce the guys. He doesn't need eight hours to decide if he likes you or not. Sam Bleka is with us. What's going on, dude? I don't believe in love at first sight. I do believe in hate. Uh, oh, he only ever needs eight hours to make a decision if he's in goodwill. Jacob is with us. What's going on, Jacob? Listen, one hour is my max. I, I don't like you guys poking fun at me. But also, what you said about Sam was maybe the most accurate thing I've ever heard about Sam. Man needs eight <laughs> seconds. Man needs eight seconds to decide who he hates. And you know what? It's it's pretty much everybody he meets. I am Sean Deegan, and I only need eight hours if I'm recovering from yard work. Let's go ahead and get to the topics here, and I feel like I may have misled you, dear listener, initially, just because we do have a very fun show. I promise we're going to get to some fun stuff. A lot of free agency talk here coming up, maybe how to fix the Pro Bowl kind of deal, but we have to start off with kind of a, a, a crappy topic. And that is that Brian Flores, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, filed a lawsuit uh, last week uh, against the NFL and the Dolphins for what he is alleging is discrimination. And the reason that he was let go uh, and not able to find another head coaching job is because he is a black man, uh, has made some really strong allegations against the NFL, which we'll, we'll get here to actually went ahead and found uh, the athletics story on this. Uh, he's been alleging that uh, in his class action lawsuit that this is not specific to the, the racist aspects of it, but that the owner, Stephen Ross of the Miami Dolphins, was trying to force him to pay to take $100,000 uh, to tank the season and, and to uh, would get a $100,000 bonus for each loss in 2019 um, in hopes to try and get to the uh, top of the draft in 2020. Uh, he also tried to get Brian Flores. This is again according to the, the story at the Athletic. Um, this is kind of a collaboration. It's by the Athletic staff. So there's not one specific writer who who worked on this. But uh, Stephen Ross also tried to get Brian Flores to tamper with a, a prominent quarterback during the off season. Tried to get him to come out and uh, talk to him on his yacht. Uh, there's allegate. There's obviously this stuff that we know now about Bill Belichick texting him either thinking he was Brian Dayball or thinking that Brian Flores had got the head coaching job with the Giants and revealed to him that uh, Flores was passed over before his actual interview started uh, with the Giants. All this came out last week. We said on the podcast last week because it kind of came out as we were getting ready to record uh, or coming up on, on recording that day that we wanted to take a little time to digest the information. Didn't feel like we were going to give this topic a fair shake and the attention that it deserved with the time that we actually had to, to take in the information. So we're here now and let's get into it, guys. Our first topic of the day, what's, what's your reaction? What do we make of this lawsuit? Brian Flores obviously put in, his, his career on the line uh, to try and step up for, for black coaches in the NFL. A lot of stuff to still sort out, find out what's true and what's not. But what do you make of this lawsuit? Jacob, we'll start with you. 
the John Elway part, 100% true. That part is definitely 100% true. I don't care what John Elway says. You ask anybody in Denver if if they could see the John Elway showing up hungover to the interview and not really taking it serious, I think everyone there would say, oh, yeah, I could see that. That is definitely a real scenario. Again, I think I've told everyone here and not to throw our local legend under the bus, but just for reference, George Brett and John Elway have a lot of similarities in the two cities. But overall, it I mean, it's not surprising. NFL hires really strange coaches every year and passes over seemingly better candidates constantly to get to the guys that people know or were already in their system. But on a bigger grand scheme of things, it's not that much different than a lot of organizations who hire from within and hire who you know and not necessarily what you know. Sam, what about you? Once we've had time to take in the lawsuit, what was your reaction? What do you make of the allegations that Brian Flores has now uh, brought to light with legal action against the NFL? More than anything, I, I think you have to, everyone has to agree it's disappointing that an individual who is at the top of his profession within a very elite group. Like, I, I, I will. I don't think anyone would say Brian Flores had a, a spectacular run at Miami, but I think it was admirable for what he was likely going through because I think the biggest thing is the pain to lose part by the Miami owner. owner that's right. I, I think that's completely true. That guy is trying so hard to get the Miami Dolphins back to the glory days of the starter jackets and um, that hype that that Miami went through in the early 90s where everyone thought Miami was great and they've never been able to be good since, that he's willing to do anything. I mean, tank for Tua. Tua why? Tua was never – go back and watch Tua in college. He, Tua was not super spectacular compared to some of these other guys that have come out that went under the radar and no one got – didn't get the, the crazy uh, appeal that he did. So there, the fact that he's – Pay, wanting to pay this guy to tank, which I do, I honestly think is probably out of everything, one of the most despicable acts, number one, but also just like, really, like, if that's actually going on in the NFL, it's, it's sad at this point. Sam, how did you feel when Hugh Jackson jumped on board with it? I was like, uh, hey, uh, you know, I was also paid to lose. I wasn't bad. I was just paid to do it. Hugh, you're, I, I get it. You're trying to uh, jump on the bandwagon, but you just suck. <laughs> You're all, you were also with the Browns. So, like at least this guy drove his team to win and showed the effort to win. And Hugh just was not good. And we got to watch hard knocks because of it. So it's well, great. Well, that's, that's the thing on the Hugh, Hugh Jackson one. It's like, wait, you, you tanked for two years to try yeah. to get the top, top pick. Did the guy you tanked for the first go around, not fit the bill. <laughs> so I, I think it's, it, more than anything, again, it's sad. And it's – I think this week does show how how sensitive the NFL is without – with they're that kind of – they want to do everything to, to show they're not racist without changing anything. And one of the ways they do that is they keep they, – they continue to be – I don't want to use incestuous, but a lot of nepotism within the NFL where there's a lot of – like Jacob said, you hire who you know. And so Lovey Smith, 
African-American head coach was hired this week as, as the Texans head coach. Um, firstly, if you, you the last me- mental picture of Lovey Smith is with the Bears, go look at what he looks like now because he looks like he just came off a mountain to coach football, and I love it. But Lovey Smith, and you can't take anything away from the guy. I mean, he's he took the Bears to the Super Bowl with – which one was it? It wasn't Olsen. It was Rex Grossman. Rex, Rex Grossman. Rex Grossman. Yeah. Rex I couldn't Grossman. Crappy quarterback he took the – and but so – nothing against him as being a, a solid head coach. He's one coach of the year um, before, but he's, he's a safe commodity in that they know what he is. And, and again, I would like to see these new guys, these fresh faces get those chances, whether it be B enemy, whether it be Brian Lefwich or Brian Flores now, who I think is still a, a relatively, obviously a fresh face. Um, and it's just sad that you're not seeing it. So it, it more than anything, it's disappointing. I, I hope, it's sad that I hope this is what changes things. I hate that it goes this far to see the change, but I do hope this starts a spur of, okay, we do need to, whether it be action by the NFL or owners just taking accountability and understanding that, you know, they have to, there has to be some level of, of change to ensure that everyone is getting a fair shake, regardless of, class, creed, ethnicity, uh, religion, any of that, they should, everyone should get the same opportunity to coach in the NFL if they have that ability to coach in the NFL. The, the most damning stuff for Flores' lawsuit is obviously the, the Giants, at least for me, is the Giants hire, is seemingly hiring Brian Dayball before his interview. That, I think, would show clear malpractice is probably too strong a word, but something along those lines in their hiring practices where they hired the white candidate and are literally just interviewing a black man to fill the Rooney rule requirements. The pain to lose, I think is despicable on a trying to win level of the NFL because how long the NFL is like, well, you can't do gambling. Like, and now they're like all in on gambling and clearly like this affects that all the integrity of the game, protect the shield, all that crap. Like clearly that's horse, you know what? Like that's horse crap. If you're trying right. to another example for you, Sean, concussions aren't a problem, except now we require every single person to wear the proper kind of helmet. Yeah. Which, yeah, exactly. And now my, but I think that the way you could, if you can prove beyond that, it's just a, a trying to tank to improve your team's position with Shren Petro has been like, you know, I don't think that's a non-smart way to build your team. If you're, if you don't have a chance to really get there, I think it becomes a problem if you're hiring black coaches to be the one to take that fall. Because I think that's what happened with David Culley this, this past year with the Texans. They, they fired David Culley after doing, I thought an amazing job with a toe rash team that Jacob, you and I have said on this podcast was almost unbearable to watch during the season. Like the fact that David Coley won any games at all was impressive and probably deserved a fair shake. Also like the Lowy Smith hire, like it's a fine hire, but it also comes after what many people are saying. Like the Texans wanted to hire Josh McCown, a former white quarterback with no coaching experience in the NFL whatsoever. And the NFL told him you can't do that with what's going on. And so they hired Lovey Smith, who there are already reports going on out there that's like, this is going to be a short-term solution. 
It's like, well, no kidding. Like they're already talking about like Josh McCown coming on to his staff and becoming a coach. So he technically has the coaching experience that can get him to a head coaching job. So if you're hiring black coaches to take the fall and lose for your team, I think that's a problem. Brian Flores is absolutely, I think, is probably a much better coach than even his record indicates. And he's got two winning seasons out of the three in Miami. And they, the funny part is, like, they wanted to tank for Tua. Well, they got Tua anyway. And then the next year, they're like, well, Tua didn't come out and blow it away. So I want you to, to, to accept that we're going to try and get Deshaun Watson the entire season. Like, well, I don't want to do that, like, in these off seasons. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, he's never had the support of an ownership group really backing him. And yet he took his team to two back-to-back winning seasons in Miami. Eric Bieniemy interviews for eight hours with the saints, which I get is probably a normal practice with, with NFL. Like, and, and there's some, there's a guy, I forget. It's like Benjamin Albright. He's a Denver insider or something like that. And he's talking about how like, that's really normal with the NFL NFL interviews. That's how it's scheduled. And it's not like you're sitting eight hours interviewing, you're meeting different people. You're, you're getting, having like meals with these people talking about getting the chemistry feel for it. But my problem is, is that after they hired uh, Dennis Allen, uh, I think it's the gents name, their defensive coordinator, they, they came out and said that, they, that the general manager and the ownership group wanted a coach who knew the Saints culture and had prior head coaching experience. Well, then why is Eric Bieniemy even there? Why are you wasting time? Like it, there's just too many things now that are coming to light beyond just what we suspected or what we infer or what, you know, three white men in their early thirties might just not be aware of because they're not black people in America. Like it's now in our face where there are all these things that are going, that didn't add up at all. And it's very clear that the Rooney rule, while well-intentioned, hasn't done enough to get these guys opportunities and really quality guys are being passed over or being put into to situations where they don't have support. And you literally have to be Mike Tomlin, who is going to go down as one of the greatest head coaches the NFL has ever seen in order to maintain your job. And I think that's the, that's the biggest problem. Like Brian Flores might've been able to do great things in Miami, but we'll never know now because they didn't want to support him. They wanted him to lose so they could then get the team and the coaches that they wanted. Like that, if that's, if they're able to prove that, then, Hopefully it'll change. I, my biggest fear is that, and I'll wrap it up here on my side on this, is that it'll be a Daniel Snyder situation where it'll just get dragged out forever and they'll come up with some BS reasons why we'll never see evidence, why it won't be admissible, and it'll just continue on this way and we'll hear like, well, we definitely have to do better. All right, let's get off the, the tough topics, the sad topics, because that is a tough, sad topic that, uh, much smarter people than, than us are going to probably delve into. And hopefully we'll get some good news on that. So let's move to some more fun things because there's still a lot of, of movement and, and interesting things going on in the NFL beyond just what's coming up this coming this Sunday with the Super Bowl. So we want to ask this question with all the head coaching movement that has occurred, which coach do you think is going to have the most success in their new job? So, Sam, we'll start with you. So we started Jacob last. Which head coach do you think in their new position is primed to, to really take off? This is – it's a hard one because we know of one of these guys in reality, in Doug Peterson. And as much as I want to be a, a spawn of Kansas City 
like lover, Jacksonville's a garbage fire. And I don't think anybody's going to deny that. And I, I think Peterson will likely have a good, good chance of being able to turn it around, but we saw how well he handled the garbage fire. That is the Eagles. So we'll see what, what occurs there. I think that the, the two I'm probably looking at are going to be either uh, Matt Eberflus with the Colts or Nathaniel Hackett with the Broncos. And the reason I say those two is I think their rosters can support them a lot more than the other coaches can. Just a quick um, correction for you, Sam. Eberflus, isn't he who's with the Bears? You get Bears, excuse me. Switch to the Bears, went Switched to the Bears. To the Bears. Um, I read that incorrectly then. Never mind, because Bears are a garbage fire too. So I was reading it as he he was went to the went to the Colts. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so my decision is Nathaniel Hackett then, because again, the Bear, the Broncos roster save a quarterback, one of the better rosters in the NFL. And again, we understand how hard heavy a quarterback's decision is. They're praying for Aaron Rodgers at this point. That's I guarantee you that's the whole reason they hired him. Cause again, he doesn't, it's not like he's coming in. He's coming from a system where, where I think a lot of people look at it probably like Eric B under Andy Reid, where it's like, who's really calling the plays? Cause it's hard to tell if Nathaniel Hackett was calling the plays with the Broncos or with the green Bay. But I think that roster is just generally so loaded that if they can even get a serviceable quarterback, He's probably going to see the most early on success. I don't think, but again, he's playing in the toughest division in the in the NFL, likely, or one of the toughest divisions. So how much is that early success as far as just generating a decent number of wins? Is that going to sustain him? It's hard to say. But I, I just think this this year is going to be rough for these head coaches because look at the teams they're going to. There's a reason why these team openings were here. And it's because most of them are either terrible rosters or the ownership group is so bad in the case of Miami Dolphins, the Raiders, that it's just a it's almost a toxic culture to go to. So Jacob, what about you? Which head coach do you think is primed to have the most success in their new position? Yeah, I like the way Sam put it because you can look at it, you know, one of two ways of who will have the it's an education thing, is it? Did you have better progress or better performance? Which one is it? I do think if you look at progress, there is a, obviously the losing teams have the most space to move the needle, but I do think that Doug Peterson has the chance to move the needle the most because the guy knows how to coach quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence has all the gifts you want as a quarterback and he is very raw knew that coming in that it would be a struggle and he would not look like the best rookie of the group thought that once they, when they drafted him, something was a little off at Clemson Dabo Sweeney is much like the guy that was coaching Trevor Lawrence this last year in urban Meyer, who has really proven that he can't coach a quarterback and consistently put guys in the NFL I mean, Ohio State quarterbacks, that's kind of the running joke, right? They can't get a quarterback in the NFL. But I do think Doug Peterson has the ability to do so. Case in point, you know, he worked with young Patrick Mahomes. He took Nick Foles to a Super Bowl win. Nick Foles was a very limited guy, but Doug Peterson had the way to do his limited things with him to the, all the way to the win. 
With that in mind, real quick, side question. Who has the better career, Nick Foles or Trevor Lawrence? Oh, man. I think there's a chance. So, again, you know, career is always a big question because it's like achievements, right? I think Trevor Lawrence is going to put up a lot of numbers. I think he's going to stick around for a while because of draft capital, regardless of if he ends up being great. But will he ever win a Super Bowl, if that's your question? Will he ever have a statue of himself outside of an NFL stadium? <laughs> is the question. Does Nick Foles have one outside of yes. Yeah. Already? Yeah, they put it up right at the year after. I didn't realize that. Road trip time. You know, we'll go on a road trip and we'll watch the, the Sean, Payton, Sean Payton movie while we're in the car. Oh, God. We'll, We'll make a list of drive, and she can just hand us juice boxes in the back seat. <laughs> you boys stay quiet down there. Oh. You know what? Bet, better yet, Sean, we'll have my dad drive us. That would and that we, would make the most sense, right? And we won't we won't make any stops. No, he will just power through. <laughs> we'll drive to Philadelphia with no stops, oh, God. and there will probably be a snowstorm. But I, Sam, kind of stole my answer. If you're talking performance, because again, the Broncos made this move to full out go for Aaron Rodgers. And if I was a betting person and I could get, you know, and I'm sure this is out there, I would take the odds that Aaron Rodgers will not be a Packer versus will be somewhere new because, or will be somewhere new versus be on the Packers because I just, I think it's over. Is it the Broncos? I think they're a favorite, but. I think there's a lot of things at work and pieces that can be thrown at the Packers. Do you guys know, quick offhand, I know Rodgers' contract expires. Can they throw the franchise tag on him to trade him? Holy Is crap. that their plan? I don't think his contract technically expired, did it? I think it was just like they're going to reevaluate if he wants to be there, and if not, they would work on trading him. I thought he negotiated a year off his contract this last offseason so that he could so that he would stay this. No, I think he did negotiate it off. Like there's a void year, but he's got one more year with them in 2022, but 2023 can, can be a void year. Oh, but is that his option or the Packers option? I think it's his. I'm looking at Spotrack now to see. Okay. It voids seven days before the 2023 league year. So it, it voids automatically. So they would essentially have to like rework it at that point to make sure that he would stay in 2023. So it looks like it's an automatic thing here. So would uh, they have to tag him to trade him then since it would be the new league year? If it was 2023. Now next year, like in 2022, they could like this is his last year. So he right. was he's still with them for one year. So he can technically evaluate now. They talked about it last offseason where he was going to evaluate at the end of this year if he still wanted to be there. And that way they still had one year on his deal, they could trade him. Okay. So he could still technically be moved. 2023, though, yeah, they'd have to rework something. But yeah, that that would be my answer as well, just because you have that. Also, I think what could also be interesting is Lovey Smith at the Texans, but it's another one where, like Sam said, you know these franchises have depleted their rosters so deeply that it's tough to say that the Jaguars or the Texans have a chance because of just how, how deep they went on their dumping of players to try to get young and reload. I'm going to go against the grain, apparently. 
because uh, Doug Peterson was my, like, if I was the Jaguars, I would go hire him. He is not my pick for most successful coach. Uh, I'm going to say Mike McDaniels in Miami. I, I really, if he can bring some of like the Kyle Shanahan run concepts and, and maybe, maybe Jalen Waddle turns into more of a chess piece, like a queen on the chessboard and kind of go anywhere than just the, the pure receiver. Um, or if they just to any, any way they can take pressure off of Tua to be the savior. I think Mike McDaniels might be the right guy for that. And I think that roster has enough pieces in place that especially with a full off season to get more guys for McDaniels in place that fit what he wants to do. I think that he could really make an impact because I thought Broncos was my knee jerk reaction. And I'm like, but they still don't have a quarterback. Like we don't know that Aaron Rodgers is going to end up there. There's talk now that he might end up in Indianapolis. Like it's, it's everywhere. So I want, I want to see them with a quarterback before I go into Daniel Hackett's going to have great success. I think Mike McDaniel might be the one with the roster he currently has not meaning like one more piece to put it all together that could really make an impact early on, take some pressure off of Tua and allow him to thrive in that offense. Um, Cause their defense, I think still has, enough studs on it that even if, like they lose Emmanuel Ogbo, which they might this offseason, like that's no big deal. So they still got like Jalen Phillips. They've still got Xavier Howard. They, they've got some studs. So I think my, my pick is actually Mike McDaniel. I think he might end up having the most success, at least initially. See, I think, I think your problem there, Sean, is uh, you, you classified it as seeing extreme success. I'm not even class. I'm classifying it as, they're doing okay in that conversation. <laughs> and that's why I'm going with Daniel Hackett. <laughs> I don't see any of them being extremely successful in this situation. That's also fair. Like they might it might end up being I mean this is a situation where you could conceivably see like everybody bomb, right? Like this this particular carousel of coaches, it's like there are a lot of unanswered questions. So it could be great, or it could be just a nuclear explosion of fail. Uh, inside report here, teams that hire new coaches are usually not good teams. Well, and that's why I think like the Broncos and the Dolphins are interesting picks because the Broncos have a really talented roster and are really literally just a quarterback away from being a good team. And the Dolphins were a winning team last year. Went nine and eight. Like it's a weird dynamic where like two teams are set up to be at least good where you have new head coaches. Last topic before we get into some free agency discussion. This one is, is this might be a lost cause folks. I'm not going to lie with you. This might be a waste of a topic, but we're going to give it our best effort. How in the hell do you fix the pro bowl? Because I watched a clip today where they were showing Justin Herbert wins the MVP highlights where a defensive end is quote unquote in pass rush and literally stops and stands next to Justin Herbert while Herbert holds the ball. And then Herbert's first highlight on this MVP compilation is him checking down to the running back. My, my heart stopped. 
I was just like, I, and not, not like out of elation or like anything other than shock. I was just shocked to watch someone literally stop moving and stand next to the guy where he could have just put his hand out, not even fully extended it and put it on Justin Herbert's shoulder, like an old friend. It was bad. And, and I, I didn't watch the game, just saw the highlight. And now I've seen enough highlights where I'm just like, this is, this is brutal. I, you can't, and, and to the guy's credit, I get it. Like you don't want to risk injury going into an off season. You've made it through the regular season in the playoffs. If you're lucky to get to that point, you don't want to get hurt. I get it. But holy crap, that was unwatchable, even more so than usual. How do we fix it? Jacob, we'll start with you. Sean, you call it unwatchable, yet I had the Pro Bowl on the entire afternoon. Oh, my God, Jacob. Now, did I actually watch it after I saw two or three plays? No. We were at a baby play date because that's what you do when you have a baby. You have a baby play date. The guys can't relate to each other, so they turn on any football they can find. We couldn't find any football, (laughs) but we settled on the Pro Bowl anyway. (laughs) but yeah just zero appeal and in fairness i have to throw hockey out because i don't know as as far as the all-star games go the other leagues have had similar issues of the all-star games not being have been gaining less and less attention and no one really caring about them at all the nba one it's very similar to the NFL where, you know, nobody plays defense and guys just jog from one side to the other and dunk it or shoot a really deep three. Hooray. You want to see feats of athleticism. I get it. And then the baseball one is, is kind of weird because it seems like it should be pretty interesting, but I think it's just baseball dying. And so I don't even think you can compare there. The reason is, why do we even have these all-star games anymore? First off, but it's like, well, we like the star power. Well, the stars don't really play at all. That's that's number one. So I think whatever your solution is, your stars still need to be involved in some way so that people can still be like, oh, there's Patrick Mahomes standing on the sideline coaching, or there's Patrick Mahomes playing wide receiver. No, that would never happen because obviously – the Chiefs would be like, uh, no, we don't like that idea. No, thank you. So you're not going to get you know, guys playing weird positions. One of the solutions I think that has intrigue, and I've heard a bunch of formats of this after pitching it to some of our friends, is some sort of a futures game where it's you can only let your first and second-year players play. You can't play all pro guys. So a guy like – he wouldn't be playing this year, obviously, but Jamar Chase wouldn't be able to play in it because – you're trying to highlight here's some guys who still need to put some extra extra stuff on film, but they're the best of the those guys. So maybe it's the all pro guys that get to select a guy from their team that they think is up and coming, but something along those lines where it's at least has some intrigue. Reason I say, you know, that has some watchability is because the XFL and whatever the other league they had recently had some viewership. Was it as good football? No, not at all. There was there any line play at all in that? No, but it was more interesting than the pro bowl. 
So I think some sort of like the futures game, this is essentially stealing the futures game from Major League Baseball. Difference is NFL doesn't have as many prospects to pull from. But to me, that would be interesting to at least be like, oh, I remember that guy that we talked about that we said was going to be good that didn't really get to play this year. You'd at least get to see him there. Sam, what about you? How do we fix this Pro Bowl for this trash? Yeah, I've had a couple thoughts because it's one of those things that like when the Pro Bowl started, if you if you go back and listen to oh, – I can't even think of what the names of the shows are on, on NFL. Um, talk, with, talking about old players from like the 60s and 70s. Playing in the Pro Bowl is a big deal because it was extra money because, again, they didn't get paid back then. And that's the biggest issue is the guys today don't care. They get paid so much that, like, it's, it's not worth their time to get hurt. And that's the, that's the biggest problem with the Pro Bowl is, is it's, they want the recognition. They want to be known as Pro Bowlers, but they don't want to play the extra game, whether it be for the fact that they played 17 games the fact that they have to risk being injured and ruining their career in something, a game that doesn't mean anything. The list goes on for why these guys don't want to actually try. And, and they've tried different things. They've tried the new skill competitions and things that have gone on and, and all of that crap that every now and then it's kind of entertaining to watch, but not, it doesn't draw enough attention. So I, I, I do like Jacob's thought, like the, the, the futures bowl or the the up and coming bowl or whatever, something of that nature get guys. I mean, even like, a like trying to draw in attention, like the senior bowl versus the, the rookie class, like bring, do something to, to draw attention to the young players and even players that, that are trying to get, I mean, I wouldn't even say just has to be young players, but like Jody Fortson or like our, our hero, would be the guy that I'm sure a Chiefs, a Chiefs Pro Bowler would elect in that type of situation if he could, like those kind of players. Um, if they're really trying to drive, like, teams to convince players to play, there has to be some level of comp- or compensation, like whichever team wins, get an extra, the, every team gets an extra second-round draft pick. Like, that drives the incentive for the teams to be like, hey, play harder, <laughs> like do something so we can like improve our team. But it, in reality, like it's going to get to a point where it's like, all right, everybody put on the VR headsets and let's play Matt. <laughs> because that's, that's the only way this game is ever going to look like football, like NFL football, because as long as the compensation doesn't matter to the players playing, it's more of a risk than it is a reward. And so there's just no, I I don't see a way of fixing it in its current status as far as the pro bowlers playing because they won't. So either I like Jacob's idea of of the futures game of figuring out a way to get the the exposure to guys that you don't get to see um, or doing something of that nature. Because other than that, it's basically two hand touch with pads on. Yeah, it could be – yeah, you could put parameters on it in a variety of ways. Of It could be number of snaps. It could be years in the league. I think there's a lot of ways to go about doing it. But I even think about a guy – you could say, okay, if it's a first-year guy, like I would want to see another game of Justin Fields. I personally t- tuned in quite a bit because I'm cheering for my own prediction to want to see a guy like that again and be like, see, I told you guys he's, he could be good. And I think that fits the current – 
interests of NFL fans because a lot of people are like us now who are self-proclaimed draft gurus and could point out it's like there's that guy I was talking about pre-draft that we didn't see but also Sam your compensation great idea that'd be interesting my what I jokingly said on Twitter was oh the obvious answer is the winning team gets to play the home game in game seven of the Super Bowl can we also erase Sam's suggesting the NFL let players do a VR Madden version because no. I 100% can see the NFL. Oh, it's being like I, I'm oh, in. Yeah. I'm actually in on that. I I was. I'll be real. My thought was just get rid of the game because it's because I agree with you, Sam. Like the money is too big, and they want. They definitely want the Pro Bowl incentive. I'm sure they want that. I think that's a. Mitch Schwartz talks about it on Twitter all the time. Like Pro Bowl is a big deal to guys because you get money out of it. Like that's a big deal. That's why it's frustrating to players when guys like. Well, not to crap on our own dude, but Frank Clark make it in a year where he gets like four and a half sacks. Because it's like he's clearly not the best, but he's getting paid to go to a game where he's supposed to be one of the best. Sean, can I please chime in with the Frank Clark thing? Because I saw probably five things during the week with him in at the Pro Bowl ceremonies and stuff. And then it wasn't until the day of the game where they, they showed him again and him signing somebody's thing. And I was like, it all actually hit me. I was like, wait, what? So I think like the pole, but that's my point. Is like the pole bowl doesn't matter to the guys, but like it's not it's not worth the injury to stop them, especially guys coming on to like free agency. Like Tyron Matthews not going to go all out in a pro bowl game when he's set to like sign a new contract. It would be ridiculous on his part. So my thought was just get rid of the game. But Sam, your your thought of if it's a VR headset, that'd be awesome. But even if it's not, just like they anybody who's elected the pro bowl has to play Madden but they only play Madden as themselves. Like they, they, everybody's on the team and you have to run the routes. Like we had to all try when anybody played multiplayer Madden, where it was like two on two. If you remember like on the good old N64 days before we realized it was all stupid to try and play with two people on the same team. And one person's like, all right, you're going to play the wide receiver, run a go route. Like that was you're, asinine, but make them do our, that. You're explaining our friend, Sam Kendrick's, current daily life with i know i still don't understand it (laughs) if you're listening please please if you if you have not listened to the episode of us having our minds blown by sam saying that he plays on the same team with his brother and man i still don't understand like never gonna get we all went through it i get it we all went through it he came late to football so maybe like maybe this is just his window like i get it yes i i've been to the deegan's house there's only so many controllers when you have 18 18 kids all under one roof yes at a pizza at a pizza roll party you usually end up with somebody who's hacked off though because they haven't gotten to touch the ball or actually play during the game but i feel like if you've got all those guys let them play madden like that's that's the best way it's like just draft the actual pro bowl teams everyone plays their own position I'm not sure how that works with linemen but or at least offensive linemen but do that and then like the current players like the thing that matters i would i would do just all pro is where you make your real money like make that incentivized more to be an all pro where like your peers are the ones going no that guy's a stud that guy's an absolute monster um and quick sidebar, I'd also – this is not my thought. I forget who said it on Twitter, but I, I know I quote tweeted it. 
Um, you can go back through our, our Twitter handle at Noma Holmes to find it. But I quote tweeted somebody who made the suggestion that they change all pro to all Madden. Do that. And, and that's what's incentivized. And the Pro Bowl is just a bunch of guys that being goofy on, on a video game. We're going to pretend at least for two more segments that uh, there's not one more football game this year. And we're going to dive right into the offseason and do some early free agency stuff. Uh, we, we talked about that we were going to do this uh, last week. Uh, we looked at some of the, like, the guys that the Chiefs needed to keep for their own roster. This time we're going to look out at who's going to be available. And again, all of this is subject to change. We don't know who's going to be franchise tagged, who's going to be re-signed. There's a very, very early look at free agency. So we're going to start with the offensive side of the ball, and we're going to break this down into three categories. We're going to do our dream free agent, under the radar free agent, and our please don't sign them free agent. We'll start with the dream free agents. We'll go around the horn here. Uh, Sam, uh, I want you to bat lead off. Who is your offensive dream free agent for the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, I think in this situation, we'd be dumb to not say Devontae Adams. I mean, dream free agent, you're adding – one of the other three top receivers to the chiefs offense. It's just, it, it's going to break space time at that sense. So, I mean, I, I'll, I'll just take the easy, the easy one and, and just say Devonte Adams offensively. I would kill to watch Devonte Adams run an underneath crossing route or a post route and pull safeties while Tyree kill runs deep on man on man on coverage. That would be sick. Jacob. Dream free agent. It can be whoever you want. Who are you bringing to Kansas City? I, I didn't realize that. Uh, so uh, Sam already took, obviously, a great answer. But <laughs> I, I, I'm, gl- I'm glad I didn't use my brain so that I had the chance to, you know, try to work a scenario that I think is more likely. I do think there's a chance they could make a run at Allen Robinson. I think the, the Bears cannot – franchise tag cam a second year in a row at least from what i understand i think you can't franchise tag guy two years in a row might even be three but i don't remember but i do think he fits a mold of the guy we have talked about for a while a bigger physical receiver that has put up some stats with not really any quarterbacks other than trubisky who turned out to not be great so that would probably be my dream of the guys and it, it would cost a pretty penny i'm sure that was actually uh, one of my free agents is that is Allen Robinson. He's my dream. Uh, Devontae Adams is obvious, like, guy be killer. <laughs> be incredible. Because then you have one and two, in my opinion, on top two wide receivers in the NFL and your team. Allen Robinson, though, for me, is that big physical dude who is putting up 1,400-yard receiving years in, in his second year in the NFL with freaking – Bortles at quarterback in Jacksonville. Like, what? How are you? Good Lord. Like, Allen Robinson, he's 6'2", 220, has all of the power. If, if you look at his, uh, his pro football focus, they did our top 100 free agents for this coming offseason. They have his weaknesses, and there aren't many. And out of the two of them, one of them is his quarterbacks. So bring that dude in and being the opposite to Tyreek where runs the underneath stuff. Um, it's just to be different. I'd take Chris Godwin too. 
I think a, a jigsaw piece like that where he can run out of X, Y slot, can do literally anything as a receiver just to be different. I, I take him. It, that would be a dream as well. Really just any of those top three would be something I would lose my mind. I feel like I have to be careful though with my picks because I said last year my dream free agent was Joe Tooney thinking there'd be no way in hell they could afford to sign a guard and they gave him the richest contract a guard's ever received. So I feel like I have to be kind of responsible. So Brett Veach, uh, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, and Allen Robinson uh, would all be great in the Chiefs system if you just want to run five wide. Let's switch. Who's your under-the-radar guy? The second one out of this. Who's your, your under-the-radar free agent for offense? Somebody that maybe isn't getting a lot of pub. I think this is where it might be a little more interesting topics of, of who – who might be available for the Chiefs. Um, Jacob, we'll flip things around. We'll start with you here. Who's the guy that's maybe not getting a lot of buzz for Kansas City or, or in free agency that you think could be a real a real pickup for Kansas City? It's one that surprises me, and I think I might be stealing one from one of you guys because we love this guy. But Mike Kosecki would be very interesting mm. Mm. to to go full Patriots on the league and have the two one tight ends. Of, one of my two, so glad that. Nice. I mean, he is a guy that he didn't have great early years, and he's come on recently to prove that he's a receiving tight end. But at the same time, they drafted Noah Gray, and they started to give the guy touches. So I also think it's a guy that is Devontae Adams realistic. Sam, what about you? Who's a guy under the radar – that you think would be a really good fit for the Chiefs? Yes, this is a rough one because I think this is a year where, like, you go down the just the general list of free agents. Like, I'm not even – at this point, you can't look at the top top 100 or whatever free agents. Um, and there's a lot of names you recognize, but it's like, okay, how – I don't know why I recognize them if it's just like they had one good fantasy year or are they actually a good player. And with that, like, you're looking at guys that fit a mold within the Chiefs offense that could do something that we know is effective without having to pay a lot of money for. And because of that, you look at a roster, there's not a lot else besides wide receiver you necessarily need to go out. Because, I mean, again, we have – there's – that's the one position that, like, if you're going to spend on, on the Chiefs offense – what makes the most sense to go after it's, it's wide receiver. And it's not, and again, I was impressed with our wide receiver court at the end of the year, surprise to everyone, but a guy that I, I think, and this is, again, it's hard to know if, if it's just me being reminiscent of him, or I just thought he had a, a unique set of skills and, and played well again, kind of in that situation where he did that under without having a quarterback. Um, but Tajay Sharp was a guy that with, the Titans had some not like crazy years. Like he's never eclipsed a thousand yards. Like I'm not saying this is a top, top talent wide receiver, but bigger body wide receiver um, that has kind of floated around the league, had good early years and has kind of fallen off recently. Now last reason with the, um, with the Falcons, but I, he'd be a guy that, that like kind of the Byron Pringle mold, where I'm not expecting him to do crazy amounts, but I think he would be the kind of player that we could bring in cheaply that could give us the same production as a lot of the guys that we may have to end up paying a lot of money or more money than maybe they're worth 
because of what they've done in the Chiefs offense, which is Patrick Mahomes to credit. We did have Tajay Sharp for a practice squad season. Oh. I don't know if you guys remember that. I, thought, I, I was like, why does the name sound so familiar? Yeah, yeah. We signed him. We brought him in, was it last year or the this year for the practice squad? Oh, I thought the it was Tajay good. Sharp Chiefs career was – December 22nd, 2020 until okay. February 16th, 2021. Yeah, and then so, he re-signed in April and then was waived in May. So, yeah, he's, he's the kind of guy that, like, I liked him when he was with the Titans, kind of got outshined once A.J. Brown and those guys got in and just kind of floated around the league. But it, it's, again, one of those years that until we know how things kind of shake out with some of our free agents, it's hard to, like, Base off, if I was going to pick a guy that, like, hey, this is a free agent we already or a free agent of ours that I want to keep um, under the radar, it's Jarek McKinnon. And I think I, no one sh- should be surprised at that. My under the radar signing is also a wide receiver because Sam, I agree with you. When I went back and looked at the roster, I was like, I was actively trying to find somebody who was not a wide receiver that could be like a dream or an under the radar free agent. And I was just like, there's literally nothing that we need need other than a, somebody opposite Tyree Hill in this offense. Like that is a definitive hole as far as like an established legitimate number two wide receiver. Uh, and so my under the radar is a guy who got hurt very early on uh, this, this season only played four games this past year, but has shown he can be real, can be a stud in, in, well, he wouldn't have, he's never played in a good offense, but DJ Chark uh, from Jacksonville. I really like him. Six four, two hundred pounds. He he's still got downfield speed, got all the size you want in a number two receiver. He's 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 got the the X size for a receiver, and he's had a thousand yards receiving in Jacksonville. Again, where we've established their quarterbacks are just abysmal so for me dj chark i think is one that i think you might be able to get cheap because he had one year where his stats were were really good and outside of that he's been okay um the the year after that so he had a thousand yards and went down to 700 yards and then has been hurt in 2021 he only played four games so he's one for me that i'm like if you can get him and bring him in to be your number two because I feel like that's a guy that understands what it would be to, to take on a number two role and not expect like maybe like an Allen Robinson, which is my dream, where it's like, I'm the number one guy and you're coming into a, a place where you would literally have to accept being the third option. I think DJ Chark might be a guy that could accept that role and still put up really good numbers um, and that you might be able to sign relatively cheaply because he's coming off an injury that he suffered early, early on in the year. And we'll be ready for training camp. One more under the radar guy that I think is a possibility and be very Chiefs like. Chris Conley is also a free agent this year. Mm. You guys, you guys know about ESPN and ESPN Plus. That Chris Conley and Byron Pringle are ESPN and ESPN oh, yeah. Plus. Oh yeah, <laughs> same same player. Hundred <laughs> percent. Chris Conley is a Chris Conley. I think is a little more. more He's a little more athletic, mm-hmm. but he's a little less strong. <laughs> yeah. 
He's he was a guy that had all this downfield speed and they just never used as a downfield threat. And I didn't get it. Like, what are you doing? Like, let but him Sean, he, ma- he made his own Star Wars fan movie. Yeah. Another reason to bring him back. Um, one more under the radar signing for me. And this is completely dependent on what happens with Orlando Brown Jr. Because my anticipation is that they're going to re-sign Orlando Brown Jr. But if they don't, a name popped up on Twitter recently, and I went back and I was just like, I want to know, but like Taron Armstead from New Orleans, there's a lot of speculation he won't go back there and that Indianapolis is a legitimate stopping point for him. He's, he's more athletic than Orlando Brown Jr., definitely has more athleticism both side to side and north to south. If they couldn't come to a deal with Orlando Brown Jr., which I think that they will, I think that would be a name to watch if you're a Chiefs fan because they will do whatever they have to to make sure Patrick Holmes is protected. I will update you. New Orleans is like $70 million over the cap, and they don't have a quarterback. I do remember the $70 million over the cap. That No, I do not think he's going back to New Orleans. They will be trying to find any way to legally get to play the season next year. Yeah, and because I haven't completely degened on free agency and draft yet, which will come eventually – um, I j- was digging through while you guys were giving yours and I'm just looking at wide receivers. I'm not even trying to dig into other positions at this point. It's the only one that matters uh, right now, but, but another, another guy kind of, kind of in that same vein, I think maybe a little higher than Chris Conley. And, and again, Tajay Sharp's one of those that like, I think if he came to, he would be the Byron Pringle or the Chris Conley of the chiefs if he came, but a guy that could be a lot more than that, maybe kind of equivalent to really to McCole Hardman as far as as far as production. I don't expect him to do. I mean, it's hard to tell what he is, but Josh Reynolds mm. with the Rams and then went to Detroit because, I mean, he's off of – I just pulled him up and I lost him. He's a year away or a year out from having a 600-yard season with the Rams with Jared Goff as your quarterback. Um, or no, excuse me, that was – he had an 800-yard season, excuse me, last – in 2020 with Jared Goff as your quarterback. So sure. that – he could be – I mean, he's a big guy, 6'4", so that's another kind of a different style of receiver. And, it, again, all of these receivers, you look at them and you have to think, okay, they did that in that offense with that quarterback. What do they do with Patrick Mahomes? Josh Reynolds was one I wanted when he went on waivers. I was, I was adamant that I hope the Chiefs might pick him up. So I, I would be all for that if they brought him in. And finally, who's the guy that if the Chiefs sign this, sign this player, you will go vomit into your sink or your toilet out of disgust? Who's the guy that you just really don't want them to sign, whether you think they're just overrated or wouldn't be worth the money, or wouldn't be a good fit in the offense. Whatever the reasoning, who is the guy you absolutely don't want them to bring in? Um, Sam, we'll start with you. So I think for me, it's got to be it, – it, there's not as many offensive guys this year in that sense. Um, I think a lot of my worry comes defensively when it comes to that that side of the worrying because I don't think – offensively, we're going to be so far out of price with the big guys that we don't necessarily have to worry about it, I don't think. Um, so there's not as big of risk with that. Guys like – some of the guys like Ma- Michael Gallup or 
uh, even Mike Williams in reality, guys that have given production, but I don't think are probably worth the money that they're going to get are guys that that's the kind of style, but I, I just don't think, I think we're going to be so far out of priced by the big name guys that I'm really not worried about it in offense, because I think the chiefs are probably going to be a heav- much heavier concentration within defense this year. So that's where my worry that overspending might come, but yeah, there, there's not, there wasn't a big name. And again, I'm not, I haven't gone full DJ and just looked at every single possible guy that could be out there yet. So I could be overlooking like a, a an offensive lineman, a right tackle or something that they're interested in bringing in. Um, but offense isn't really my area where I'm like, I'm worried that they're going to overspend on a guy because I just don't think it's realistic this year. Dan, what about you? Who's the guy that you really don't want to see the Chiefs bring in and you just don't think is a good fit or money-wise, whatever the case might be? Well, if you look at PFF's list and I scroll through this, I really don't want Antonio Brown. He's ranked up there very high. (laughs) And I don't know how any team could really give him a contract at this point that wasn't just like the NBA equivalent to 10-day contracts. Like, oh, you mess up, you're off the team. But one that went from a love and intrigue of mine to a don't do it was, was actually Mike Williams because of the numbers I've heard around him. It's like, oh, that makes sense. He's big. He can go up and get the ball. But they were saying, you know, he's going to get like maybe $15 million a year. And I was like, I just could not pay that for a guy that is so hot and cold. And Chiefs don't throw fade routes either is the Mm-mm. other strange thing. I don't know no, if it's because of a personnel thing, but they don't do it. So I really think it would just be a poor use of money not necessarily a player that I dislike because I like him and I'm like, Oh, I could see how they could use him. But at the same time, I could see it really not working out. Also one more side note to help, you know, fans of football in general, you have those guys that, you know, but you don't really know, like Sam said, because of fantasy football in my head, you know, I've had DJ chart two or three years in fantasy football. He was like a five ten quick possession receiver to me so this was news to me tonight that he's 6-4 showing that I've clearly never actually seen him play but that's again based on probably that I don't think uh, CBS Fox are doing a lot of feature in the Jacksonville Jaguars and multiple markets I'm going to make it a clean sweep I don't want Mike Williams I just don't I, for all the reasons you said Jacob it's just so expensive he's so inconsistent uh, he's so talented. He's got all the athleticism and size in the world. But what he's best at is picking on guys who aren't as big as him and, and going up and taking the ball away. And I, the fact that the Chiefs threw a back shoulder throw to Travis Kelsey in the end zone to win the game against the Bills still blows my mind because they don't throw those routes. They don't throw jump balls. They don't throw back shoulder. They don't throw fades. They just don't do it typically. So I, I think Mike Williams – as talented and big as he is, he's just been so inconsistent. And he, he still – he hasn't really – this is the other thing. is like before this season, he was, he was barely catching 50% of the balls thrown his way. And then this year, he had 129 targets and 76 catches. And, you know, he, he, so he's just under 60%. Like 
he, he might not even catch all the balls thrown his way. And again, wildly talented, worth having on your team for sure. But 15 million per, good Lord, no. I, don't, I just I don't think it'd be a good fit. But I think the size and athleticism are intriguing enough that I worry that it might happen. Let's flip to the other side of the ball and look at defense, which I think this is maybe where the more intrigue starts for Chiefs fans because there are so many other openings potentially on this on this side of the ball. So, Jacob, we'll start with you here. Who's your dream guy to bring in for the Chiefs defense? I've been saying it all year, but Von Miller, and I think he's going to get himself paid after the Super Bowl. If Von Miller plays the Melvin Ingram, just more expensive role, I'd be okay with that. Sam, what about you? Who's your dream guy for uh, the Chiefs defense? Hey, being that guy, but it's hard to know without knowing who we're not bringing back as far right. as, but it's got to be secondary for me, um, dream-wise, because we're losing somebody in the secondary. I don't know who yet, but you know that there's going to be. And I just think a guy like specifically J.C. Jackson, the cornerback mm. out of the Patriots, like elite coverage ability, yes. pair him up with Snead. Oh. You have – you. Um, still have Thornhill over the top, and then they'll parses out like you'd be – and he's young. I mean, 20 – young, 26 years old. That's – if you can get – if you if somehow they can swing him, which, again, that's priced way out, he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. Oh, yeah. And there's no way the Chiefs are paying him. <laughs> that's the kind of player that's like – that'd be great to have on their defense. I was going to ask you guys, is it Bill Belichick who just – constantly winds up with all these shutdown corners or is there somebody else in the Patriots franchise that just picks the corners? I think Belichick knows that a, a star corner is an important thing to have. And so he prioritizes it. Whereas like, if you hear, like if you listen to Beach's press conference last week, where he talks about how like corners on free agency market, their price tags are so just astronomical it's hard for them to like work within the cap to, to bring those guys in. But he said like for us picking down at the bottom of the draft, like it's hard to go get one of those guys. He's like, there just aren't many true difference makers at corner, like true shutdown guys where we're picking. So it was, it was a really interesting like insight into how they view the position where they're like, we'd love to have one. We're just not really willing to overextend to get one where it sounds like they might be more willing to do that at the front line. Uh, That's what exactly got me laughing with, with Sam. So I was like, Sam, if you're looking for the Chiefs next cornerback, you need to be Googling. And if guys that won't get drafted in the draft or guys that get drafted really you need to go look, you need to hop on Wikipedia and find the cornerback that is falling out of favor with their team. But they got drafted in the first round like three years ago. I, I'll be real, Sam. J.C. Jackson was my guy, too. Like, a guy who can cover outside, inside. He's a stud in press man, in man coverage, and also is, like, more than adequate in zone. J.C. Jackson's the guy, like, especially at 26. Like, he's the same age as Ward. He'd be a massive upgrade and, and would literally take away half of the field. Like, he would be the guy you're like, hey, go cover Jamar Chase one-on-one. And, like, he has all the size that you want out of a Spags corner. He's just a little bit faster. Like, he, he's, his 40 time was, like, I remember when I was looking on PFF initially, his 40 time was, like, 4.45. So he's just under a 4.5. Uh, 
which is typically what you see with Spags corners are like four, five, four, six, like Breland, uh, Bashad Breland was. So he's got all the sizes you want and the physicality and the ability to play man. He's just faster. And I think that having that guy would be a, a completely shifting what you're able to do in that defense. Um, just to be different, Jesse Bates from the Bengals, maybe it's just because I watched him play recently and I'm just really angry and bitter, but I've also heard a lot of good stuff about him and how like the Bengals didn't offer him a contract this past off season. So there's a chance that he might not stay even after a Super Bowl run. And I've heard a lot of good things about him, like being really intelligent, his ability to play deep safety. We've already seen the great play he had on the deep ball to Tyree Hill in the, towards the end of the game. I, I think that would be a really good pickup for the Chiefs. That'd be a dream too, to bring in a guy who I think he's like 24, 25 years old. Like he's still really young. And, yeah, 25. Yeah, an ascending player, even at this point, has played a terrific safety for a championship level team. Who is your under the radar defensive free agent? Who is the guy that maybe people aren't talking about as much that you think could come in and make an impact? Maybe didn't have to necessarily be like a starter, but somebody you can come in and be like, this guy's a real contributor. Maybe like a, like you said, Sam, a TJ Sharp or a Tajay Sharp, excuse me. Uh Mr. DJ and Tajay. Uh a Tajay Sharp who isn't a, maybe a stud, but a real contributor. Who's your guy? Jacob, we'll start with you here. My actual lines up and need and cost is Hassan Reddick from Carolina. He's 27. On his first deal, he has two, I believe, like nine-ish sack seasons in a row. I have not watched a lot of him in person. Again, it's tough to see a lot of the NFC teams when you're in AFC markets, but everything I read about the guy is that he wins one-on-one. And it's like, that's just something we haven't seen for a little bit, you know, maybe since I uh, like Justin Houston, but he's mine. Sam, what about you? Who's your under the radar guy that you think could make a difference for the chiefs? Yeah, I'm, I'm sticking set. I'm still sticking secondary on this and I have two within the same vein. Uh, well, Kind of. They're both safeties because, again, I think that's the primary position I'm looking at that likely will be need to be replaced. And I guess it really depends on where they think Juan Thornhill is, what kind of safety Juan Thornhill is. Because, again, Juan Thornhill is listed as a strong safety. I, I, I still don't understand that, but that's what they, they classify him, whereas uh, Tyron, Tyron Matthew was the free safety. If they're continuing to play him a strong safety, I'm looking at a guy like Xavier Woods, Dallas back to Minnesota or to Minnesota this year, um, safety out of that played with Minnesota, uh, kind of middle of the pack safety as far as ranking, but I think he's maybe one of the more talented safeties that got just after the onrush of rookies from Dallas's draft this year was the kind of the odd man out. The other guy. This is a risk because you're looking at a guy that has trouble staying on the field, but he is essentially a more athletic Dan Sorensen. So I think Spagnola would love him, and that's Jabiro Peppers. Um, Jabiro Peppers, I think, if you remember anything about him coming out of college before he got hurt, that man is ridiculous. Like, obviously, the, the injuries he's occurred have, I think, derailed his what his career could have been, but – I still think like putting him back there, having Juan being the free safety and him playing that kind of 
floating linebacker slash safety position that Dan Sorensen has been playing just would be s- such an improvement. And it means we wouldn't have to see Sorensen do that anymore. It'd be great. 100% Jarrell Peppers is one of the guys I had on my list uh, out of the two. I just, I, everything you just said, that's awesome. Uh, the other guy under the radar is a local kid, Doris, Dorrance, almost said Doris, Dorrance Armstrong. He would be, he's a young guy. Like he's, he's coming off a rookie contract again from Dallas. Hasn't had a, a, ton of playing time until this year he played in third well he's played in a lot of games mostly special teams this last year though he played 13 games started five of them and had five sacks 12 quarterback hits this is all a pro football reference you can find it if you're anybody with a laptop or computer and i think would be a really nice rotational piece he's 6'4 255 it isn't if I remember coming out of the draft, they talked about him not being super long, but he's clearly got some size to him. It would be, in my opinion, a, a better version of and, and, oh god, I just named Alex Okafer. Name just went out of my head, but yeah, Alex, he would be the improved Alex Okafer re- rotational defensive end piece who can maybe make an impact and still has upside as a kid who's who's only 24 years old. They were bringing in Shane Ray from Missouri for tryouts here this week. Why not take a stab at the Kansas kid and bring him in and see what he can do? Guy who's got some production under his belt as an edge defender. Um, that would be my under the radar guy who maybe doesn't start, but is a really solid contributing rotational piece that you can put in on third down and really get after the quarterback. And lastly, for our free agency, look, who is your please don't sign them free agent? Who do you not want them to bring in on defense? Um, Sam, we'll flip things around and start with you. Any defensive lineman not named Melvin Ingram. I Like, the fan, and even Melvin Ingram, like, if he's going to cost an arm and a leg, like, I don't – I'm not sold on him either. Just the, the swings and misses we've taken on – trade whether it be trades or free agency signings with defensive linemen recently have just not been super great to say the least um different varying levels of success but a guy like i could almost see like hey we saw success with melvin ingram let's go after jadavian cloudy that would just like no i don't want anything of that nature like no Randy Pop Gregory. Pop no, no, for you, Sam. How many sacks did Clowney have last year? How many sacks did Clowney have last year? Yes. I uh, three. I think it was nine. I, I nine don't have it pulled up. I'm pretty sure it was nine sacks. It surprised me too when I looked it up. It's like, did this guy finally figure it out? No, he's playing opposite Miles one of Garrett. the best defensive ends in the NFL. <laughs> and they're just like, okay, save he did make uh, Orlando Brown Jr. looked like it was the worst decision in the world to trade for him, but <laughs> it was nine, Jacob. On pro football reference, they got Jadavian Clowney at nine. Um, Impressive, but still no. Which, that, that, yeah, no, no, I still don't want. I don't. I don't want it either because it doesn't scream consistency at me. But it did surprise me when I looked it up because I look it up every year when he's a free agent after his one year deals are over. <laughs> 
Jacob, what about you? Who's your guy that you don't want the Chiefs to sign on the defensive side of the football? Okay, just looking at the top of the list and not a guy I really think is realistic, Carlton Davis. That dude is not good at all. I don't know how he's listed as number 11 on their list. Carlton Davis gave Tyreek Hill one of the greatest games I've ever seen when they just killed him in that first half in the regular season last year. But that would probably be of the, like, big-name guys that I just, like, please do not do it. Also, I, I, I understand what Sam's saying of they haven't had a lot of success with heavily investing in defensive linemen, and I think that's fair, but I also think that they don't see a way to get the edge without doing it again. And so I think, I think inevitably it will happen. But I'll just say from a PR standpoint, please don't go get Randy Gregory either. You have enough guys on your squad that are – there's some character concerns. You, we don't need to become a team that can't keep all of it wrangled in. My, my please don't sign, Jacob, is actually your under-the-radar guy. It's Hassan Reddick. I, he was drafted in the first round by Arizona. They did not pick up his fifth-year option because he didn't have – his career high in sacks for a season – was four with them in 2019, or excuse me, 2018. So it was 2.5 in 2017, four in 2018, one in 2019. They didn't pick up his option. He had 12 and a half. Then he goes and signs a one-year deal with Carolina and has 11. He's 6'1", 235. Like, he's not – he doesn't – God, he's he just little. screams Frank Clark to me. Like, not the same player, obviously. Like, very different kinds of, of athlete and player. But contra- Trez Paler said it. Rest his, God rest his soul. Contract year is undefeated. Like, in the years where he needed to have good years, he had good years. Outside of that, did not play well. Did not – or at least didn't get home the way we needed. You need somebody like him to. So, you'll take him on a one-year deal. Oh, if they got him on a one-year deal, I'd be thrilled because he still hasn't sent him to play. But I, if they're if the Chiefs are the one that say we'll give you five for 85, 90, I would I would be upset. I, he just one he's he's undersized. He's he's D Ford but smaller, and I don't know if that fits in what Spags wants to do. Like Melvin Ingram was undersized, quote unquote, for a Spags system. And, and Hassan Reddick is smaller than him. So you're, you're purely basing this off speed, like a guy who's going to torch a tackle off the edge. And Sean, yes. To answer what you just said, yes, yes, I am. 100% <laughs> I am. I am so tired of how slow the front seven is that I'm willing to sacrifice size. <laughs> Just go get Chandler Jones on a one-year deal. That's realistic, right? He's what? I think those career? guys are looking at two, three-year deals, but I think those are your shorter deal options at high dollar amounts. But that's the reason I'm just like, I'm not feeling Hassan. Not feeling it at all. All right, last topic for the night, and we'll wrap this bad boy up. And we are going to talk about something that might be a sore subject for fans, but the Super Bowl will still be played, even with the Chiefs not in it, this coming Sunday. And we want to talk about it a little bit. So first topic, no analysis on the game whatsoever. Who do you want to see win? You know, the Bengals fans, Jacob, you mentioned it last week. Like, they've been a tortured 
group for a long time. We can empathize with that. But their team did just beat ours in the AFC Championship game on our home turf. Uh, Matt Stafford is is going up to get a Super Bowl. But also it's like, do you want to see a team that just like threw, all way, threw away all their picks uh, be proven right? Or do you want to see that franchise fall apart? Like, I don't know. These are the questions that people are asking right now. So, uh, Jacob, we'll start with you. Who do you want to see win this game? I'm still hurt. I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be true. I'm still hurt. So, if we're picking who do you want to see win, I, I can feel it in my heart that I'm cheering for the Rams on Sunday. If, if And I say if I watch. But also, let's say this. Listen, Chiefs fans, we're all hurt. Don't deny yourself NFL football, though, just because you're emotionally hurt. Sam, what about you? Who do you want to see win the Super Bowl? I wish I could say I really cared. I don't. Um, <laughs> like, both teams, I think I, – I guess I, I will go with the Bengals because much like the Bills, the Bengals and the Bills, I feel like their fan base is very Chiefs-like, and I feel like they deserve it. Like, I think, I think the Bengals have gone through a similar run of just misfortune – and terrible luck over the past two decades that I feel like they deserve something. Um, they kind of had the same when they had Carson Palmer and all them kind of Trent Green-esque little, little glimmers of hope that never amounted to anything. Um, so, so I think just because I, I want, even though they beat us and it, and it hurt, I will give it to, I'll cheer for the Bengals because I, I want their fan base to, get to feel what the Chiefs got to feel. You can't, I mean, as, as goofy as a character as Joe Burrow is, like you just, he is fun to watch. And it, I mean, they're just, a, they're an entertaining team. Like you can't deny they're not entertaining. I'm as bad as ESPN as well. So I'm cheering for my own predictions. I think it's the other reason I'm cheering against the Bengals. Cause you know, I'm, I'm the one that this team's not that great. And Joe Burrow is, he's <laughs> good, but he's not great. And and of course, the Rams are my dark horse to win it all this year from the NFC. John, do you know uh, just off the top of your head who we who we had in the Super Bowl? I'm pretty sure I had Chiefs Bucks. Chiefs, I think you had Chiefs Bucks. I think Jacob and I were Chiefs Packers. If I remember right, no, no. I was, was going to say I think we, we all did horrible. Like we were all pretty late. <laughs> we were all we were all pretty basic, pretty basic, and we were all wrong, which is basically status quo i am i am similar to sam where i don't care that much but i am leaning rams just because i i do think matt stafford much like the fan bases of buffalo and cincinnati has toiled for far too long in the abyss of the nfl in detroit and so for me i I would love to see it if he could get a, a championship ring. The guys earned his stripes. And I just think it would be hilarious because I already started to hear it. Like it was a very brief moment, but like Seren and Eric, Seren Petro and Eric Eager were talking on Seren's show today about <laughs> Seren just posited the question. So is Matt Stafford a Hall of Fame quarterback if he gets a Super Bowl? And Eric Eager was like, absolutely not. Like, what, what are we talking about? And he was like, but you say Troy Aikman is absolutely and definitively a Hall of Famer and not overrated at all. And it was just like created a really fun conversation where Eager had to be was kind of put on skates for a moment. And I would just love to hear 
what national pundits would say about Matt Stafford. Like, is he a hall of famer? Is he not? And just get the shine away. Like get the, get the spotlight away from Mahomes and all that, like go do that. But if the Bengals win, I won't be upset because they, they've been through enough. Let them have it real quick. I just want to, I just want to see here quick comparison. So if Matt Stafford wins, he would have the same number of Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers, correct? Yes. He would have appeared in one and won one. He would also be like one of three quarterbacks, I think it is. One, I, somebody's going to have to check me on this at some point, but I think he's like one of maybe three quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl with their next team, like that when the first year with a new team. Like Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, and I think there's one other. I'm forgetting offhand. Matt Stafford has – 4,900 or 49,995 yards passing to Aaron Rodgers, 55,360. Matt Stafford is 323 touchdowns to Aaron Rodgers, 449. So inevitably, Aaron Rodgers has a better statistical career than Matt Stafford. But if he wins, they both have one Super Bowl and Matt Stafford did all those stats while playing for the Detroit Lions. Is Matt Stafford better than Aaron Rodgers? Oh! <laughs> I can't wait for ESPN to have that conversation. Because you know that's coming. You know that, but that's the sad thing, is that's the kind of conversation that when we talk about, we were joking a, lot, or a couple weeks ago about the GOAT conversation. Mm-hmm. As soon as someone gets a, a Super Bowl, it's immediately like, okay, put them in it. Let's do it. Put them up there. Like... <laughs> Guys, Trent Dilfer has a Super Bowl ring. And so Joe is Brad Flacco. Johnson. Joe Flacco has a Super Bowl ring in one of the most Nick Nick Foles-ish, before Nick Foles-ish runs in playoff history. Like, this stuff happens sometimes. It's just weird. In, in fairness, Flacco was actually the reason they won, though, because of the hot streak that he got on of just throw it up and pray that one of your guys gets it. I will say Nick Foles had a great Super Bowl game. And you imagine look at the stats, like he 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 got after it. Like he went toe for toe with Brady statistically in that game. Speaking of the quarterbacks, and Sam transitioning us beautifully into our next topic before we give our final score predictions. Whose legacy gets a bigger boost with a Super Bowl win? Stafford or Burrow? Like they're very coming from very different angles. Burrow's in his second year in the NFL. Matt Stafford is seasoned vet. Burrow seeing immediate success. Stafford toiled, like we said, with the Lions for years before finally getting a a team around him that was built for success. Whose legacy gets the bigger bump? Um, Sam, we'll start with you. I want to say it's probably Burrow, purely because it's so early. He will immediately be put on the Patrick Mahomes. I mean, if he wins a Super Bowl, and if he wins a Super Bowl MVP – he is now matching Patrick Mahomes in that sense, just one, obviously one MVP off of him at that point in his, well, he'd be earlier with the Super Bowl, later with the MVP in that sense, NFL MVP that is. So I think it's Burrow just because it catapults him into, you can't not talk about him in the same vein as, as Patrick Mahomes, as much as people that watch Patrick Mahomes every week may disagree or, or say that, okay, chill down a little bit like Matt Stafford as as much as we joke like the conversation he the Hall of Fame is almost becoming a sham at some points because they're putting guys I mean stats 
plays such a huge role that the, the, the new age guys go in and it's just like, okay, they've blown everyone out of the water. It's not even a question. Can, are we just putting everybody in now? Like, <laughs> like everyone from this era's stats are going to be so much higher that that that's going to be such a hard conversation that one Super Bowl. I, I honestly don't know if it's enough for Matt Stafford to get into the hall of fame in that type of situation. So I think, you know, it definitely catapults Burrow in the immediate time into a higher legacy, I should say. Jay, what about you? Who gets a bigger bump, Stafford or Burrow? It's very late in the show for me to disagree with Sam on everything that he said, but this it's, it's time. I'm going to go with Stafford because I think you'll get a lot of essentially what Tony Gonzalez wound up with. If he wins from here on out, they'll be like future hall of famer, Matt Stafford, if he wins this. And I know that that's crazy to think and that that talk will happen, but it will because also the NFL hall of fame is the only thing that is currently still kind of a elite crew of guys that get in. The only guys that are getting in now that you could try to make the argument don't deserve it are, and so this is me stomping on on some people's legacies, but guys that you know were first to do things that hadn't been done before, and that's weren't necessarily the greatest NFL, whatever position they were, but they were the first to do something. That's the only ones that I'm like, okay, well, I mean, what's what's your Hall of Fame? Is it you were the first to break through on something, or is it you were one of the greatest performers in the league? So I am with you that it's going to get difficult for the NFL Hall of Fame, but have a bunch of guys got in so far that don't deserve it? I don't think so. But if Philip Rivers gets in, I will, I will gladly accept you that just anybody can get in to the NFL Hall of Fame. Um, but as far as Joe Burrow goes, yeah, it'll be really strange because – Again, I'm rooting for my own predictions when I say this, but I kind of think this is it for the Bengals. If they don't win here, I don't think they're going to get back. I think this is the Matt Ryan Falcons, essentially, just at a different time. Their roster is not that good. They were they were opportunistic. They beat a bad Raiders team. They beat a hobbled Titans team. They beat a Chiefs team in a year where the Chiefs were – victim of themselves quite quite often everything kind of fell for them and i would say also and i think it's true of any team that wins a championship there's a lot of luck involved in it and things going the right way and i would even admit that with both of my teams that i've watched win a world series and a super bowl of you gotta have some things go the right way but yeah the joe burrow one i just can't even I can't even think about what it would do for his legacy with how young he is other than, you know, just having the target on the back, you know, once you're the, the hero, everybody wants to make you a villain. So it's tough to say what it would do for his legacy other than him being Patrick Mahomes now where people would look for ways to tear him down. I'm sorry, but firstly, two things, Joe Burrow is a villain. I love it. What a great villain. He's a great, perfect villain. Like, I, I, he is the love yes. to hate guy. Like, he is Tom Brady. He's everyone's looking for the new Tom Brady. I'm not comparing his skill set. I'm looking, we love to hate him. 
That would be Joe Burrow. Like he's a guy you love to hate on the field, but off the field, I feel like he'd yeah, be a like, lot of fun to hang out with. Yeah, I feel like he'd be a really cool dude just to get to know. Secondly, to just eliminate your Sam or disagreeing with Sam argument, Sean McVay took Jared Goff to the Super Bowl three years ago. They sure. didn't win it though. Well, of course not. He played. He, he took Jared, Jared Goff. Goff to the Super Bowl. Trash team. That's going to be the whole argument. Even if Matt Stafford wins it, they're going to be like, "Well, look at the team." He dragged Matt Stafford has put up massive amounts of numbers. So did Jared Jared Goff. Goff He hasn't put up the same types of numbers Matt Stafford has. Matt Stafford is going after next season will be top ten in everything passing it passing wise that people care about between yards and touchdowns. Touchdowns, he's not going to catch Rodgers. A great member of of one of my favorite sports shows or sports talk shows, uh, Mr. Rob Parker, says he is stat padford. Mm. No doubt. Playing from behind the help. (laughs) Playing from behind the help. I will say my initial reaction was Stafford, just because of how long he toiled in Detroit. And if he wins, it's like, see, he just needed a good team around him. But I think if Burrow wins, you have comps of, you know, Second year starting, Patrick Mahomes took his team and won a Super Bowl. Second year starting, Burrow took his team to the Super Bowl and won. Second year in the NFL, they've already started making Brady comps to him. Brady took his team to the Super Bowl and won. So did Burrow. And then the people will be like, look, Burrow won with a trash offensive line. Not even Patrick Mahomes could do that. I think – you're off to the races with people's thoughts and takes and impressions of Burrow if he beats a team that is really built to smoke the Bengals. At least on the defensive side of the ball, they've got the best corner in the NFL with Jalen Ramsey. And then you have an elite speed rusher on the outside and the greatest defensive lineman we've ever seen in the middle to eliminate the ability. What the chiefs were failing to do when Chris Jones would get pressure is have someone on the outside to collapse. The, the Rams don't have that problem. So if Burrow goes out and beats that team, I think that the, he will have a more massive boost than maybe I initially gave him credit for. Last thing for tonight, let's wrap this bad boy up and tell you exactly what you should not go to the betting setters with. And we'll give you our predictions for the Super Bowl. Um, We will start with you, Sam. Who do you got winning? What is the score? I think this is – I've just said – I mean, whatever. I don't think there's going to be as good as the Rams' defense is. Again – the same argument I had against with the Chiefs uh, is that the the Bengals offense is just ridiculous, and as we saw that that offensive line will not be able to stop Aaron Donald as as much as we wanted that to happen with Chris Jones and Chris Jones just crapped the bed. Aaron Donald is not Chris Jones in that sense, um, but I think it's going to be a pretty crazy high scoring game. Um, Let's let me see here. Calculator out. I'm not a math teacher like Jacob, so I can't. I can help you a little bit. You mean the crazy yeah. Bengals offense that put up 26 on the Raiders or the 
crazy Bengals offense that put up 19 on the Titans or the crazy Bengals offense that put up 27 on the Chiefs in overtime. Yeah. I still got Jamar Chase, man. Can you guys tell I'm still sore about all of it? No, not at all. You seem completely rational and not emotionally charged at all. I don't know if I'm mad at Sam or I'm mad at the Bengals. (laughs) Or the missed opportunity. Let's say 41 to 35 Bengals. Good Lord. I'm just just going all out, you know. At this point, my prediction, none of our predictions have been correct. I would say we know know none of us are getting even close to right. Like, what's the point of not just saying? <laughs> you're you're doing like, what do I actually think the score is going to be? What's the opposite? Of what do I can say <laughs> that I would have said? <laughs> oh man, Jay, what about you? Who wins? What's the score? It's going to be the Rams. Do you guys remember when uh, Cam Irving played against Aaron Donald? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I feel like we could see a little bit of that this week. <laughs> I will always use that as an example of two guys that are in the same profession in a very highly contested profession, top of their performance. But there is just so much of a difference of level that is like, that was insane to see the difference between here's what the best in the NFL looks like compared to the worst in the NFL in a league of parity. What do you say Cam Irving's the worst? He was an NFL starter. Yeah, that's he's true. Fine. Like, like, not he's a good fine. starter, but he was an NFL starter. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. If you have him as a backup on your team, it's like, and you have to play him through a game, you're not hurting. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's a good swing tackle. Yeah. You start him all the time, you're like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> we need somebody else. I, again, because I'm wrong all the time, I could see it really not being a competitive game if it, I could see it really snowballing, you know, if the Rams start to get going, they could really get going and then just take them out of the game completely. But I don't want to get too crazy. I I'll just say a boring, like 30 to 17 or something. I have too much faith in the Rams offense that I don't actually believe in. I also think it's going to be the Rams. I, I just, I think that front for, for LA is going to be, just too much for the Bengals to handle. And as good as Burrow is, as good as that offense is in terms of weapons, I think this might be the, the perfect team to exploit their lack of protection up front. So I am going to say I actually agree with the 17, but I think it'll be a bigger margin. I think 35-17 is my pick. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate Uh, You spending your time with us this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whenever you're catching the podcast. Got one more game in the NFL season. I know Chiefs fans, it hurts, but like Jacob said, don't don't let the bitterness and the pain stop you from enjoying enjoying NFL football. There's still some tremendous athletes that you don't want to miss the the primes of their careers. So enjoy this coming weekend, and then we will be full off-season mode the following week. Until next time, y'all stay safe out there, and we will talk to you next week.